You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your brains. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and this is Doubleheader Thursday. Don't get comfortable with it. This isn't going to be a thing. No, I I said earlier in the week that since the podcast observed Canada Day on Monday, as many government buildings do up here, that we would have a doubleheader later in the week. And I can confirm that today is that day. It is going to happen. Second episode is going to come out later, which I'm very, very excited about to bring you guys. It was a really good talk. Um, I can I can reveal it. She's already revealed it on Twitter for me. Kelly Wallace is going to be on the program in the in the second episode today. We talk about her new project, Expanded Roster. We talk about the Cubs. We talk about the Brewers. Talk about Liga Mexicana. It's very exciting. I can't wait to bring you guys that episode. She sounds a lot better than I do. So look for that a little later on today. But first, let's talk some Blue Jays. They couldn't pull the trick two games in a row. Got down early to the Mets. Marcus Stroman did not have the best of performances and the Mets gain a split with the Blue Jays. Jose Bautista is a winner in what could be his final game at the Rogers Center, which again, the wins and losses really didn't matter in this series. What mattered is that Jose Bautista got the appreciation he deserved for the efforts he put in with this team for a decade. And to see Blue Jays faithful again coming through in last night's game, giving him that that final vision, and then and then Jose himself coming out after the game and just just soaking in it like he didn't want to leave. Ho- I I said this before, I'll say it again. Jose Bautista is Toronto at its core. A guy who came to the city, worked to try and build himself up, made himself a success, made himself a star. And, and lifted the city up with him. And I again, I'm I'm thankful I got to watch Jose Bautista in Toronto. It, it's bittersweet seeing him against the Blue Jays, but I'm I'm thankful that he acquitted himself well enough in the series to to make it a a celebration and not just a a Willie Mays like watching of of someone on their last legs. I'm glad. Jose Bautista did get that bit of success. Well, let, let's let's get Marcus Stroman out of the way first, actually. Then we'll talk about some good things. Um, Marcus Stroman looked all right in the beginning, but as the game got on, he definitely started struggling getting the ball where he wanted to go. He struggled with his command. Went four and two-thirds innings, gave up six runs, four walks, only struck out two. He threw 85 pitches. Only 49 of them were for strikes. And he he wasn't getting the ground balls either. He he had an 8 to 7 ground ground ball fly ball ratio. It it was not good. And and you wonder if the heat kind of played into it cuz there were times when Stroman was was wiping his hand on on his jersey, was cursing to himself, wasn't really getting the grip that he wanted. And it looked 
similar to before he got on the disabled list. And that's that's a troubling sign considering he had a pair of really good starts coming off. And you wonder if the if the endurance isn't really there yet. Like he, he spent a month away from the game, like rehabbing and stuff and, and trying to get into rehab games. Like like you wonder if if it's there. And the Blue Jays do have a couple off days coming up and then they'll have the all-star break. And I I wonder if you don't consider skipping Stroman's next start just to make sure he gets that time to rest his shoulder and make sure he's good to go for the rest of the season. I mean, it's it's a lost cost anyway, but throwing Marcus Stroman out there when he's not 100% is not going to help him develop into the Cy Young winner that people think he can be. It's not going to help him to go out there and continuously struggle. You You want to make sure he's right. I know the front office wants to make sure he's right, so maybe you look at at possibly calling up a Chris Rowley to make that start. Maybe Rowley might have to come up anyway to replace Marco Estrada, but you you potentially look at, at giving him that little bit of extra rest just so he's able to go out there in a the second half and pitch to his full ability, which is what Blue Jays fans want to see. They want to see the Marcus Stroman of old. They want to sh- see the shimmier. They don't want to see the guy who's having to, to mop sweat off his forehead, which, again, the... I'm I'm gonna keep banging on the heat. I I am fine with the heat now in my air conditioned studio, which I am very thankful for. Thank you to Staples for the cardboard that made this possible. <laughs> uh, Staples for all your home improvement needs. That you can use that if you want Staples, but I want money for it. So let's let's talk about the good. Let's talk about some good from last night's game. The two pitchers who were designated sacrificial lambs for this one being called up from Buffalo acquitted themselves all right. Luis Santos came in. He did tack a run onto Marcus Stroman's scoreline, giving up a a solid single that scored Jose Bautista for his lone run. But other than that, Santos came out and, and looked all right. The singles were all he gave up. He, he got a pair of strikeouts. And then and then maybe the bigger story was Rainier Cruz coming in and providing two innings of scoreless relief. Cruz has been all right in Buffalo. He had a 104 ERA in Buffalo, only given up the one run. But again, this was his first MLB appearance in five years. It's been a long road back for Rainier. It's taken him to Japan. It's taken him to Mexico took him to Gwinnett, which Gwinnett, but he didn't look out of place in that Blue Jays bullpen, which is huge, especially if they, they start to move guys like Tyler Clippard and Sung Juan O at, at the trade deadline, seeing Reiner Cruz come in and, and again, he, he was nervous at first. He gave up that double immediately upon entering the game to Wilmer Flores, but, and he had that wild pitch. But after, after that, he was able to generate what he what he wanted to do. He was hammering that low strike zone. It's the, it's the Aaron Loop strategy. It's great when you have it working. And Cruz had it working for the most part last night. Will he be able to continue doing that against a better team? We'll see if he gets into action against the Yankees this weekend. But if he can keep doing that, that... That's a good sign for the Blue Jays' bullpen in that they have a guy who can step in and continue to soak up some of those innings. Him going two innings, 
is also big because I mean we saw the Blue Jays run through pitchers the day before, run through everyone in the bullpen, and they didn't really have that multi-inning guy ready to go. So if if Cruz can go out there and and be a guy who, who can take those innings and and do it successfully. That's, that's a big thing. You don't want to throw Preston Guillemette out there to give up more home runs, although that won't be happening anytime soon now that he's DFA'd, thankfully. But have a guy like Cruz go out there who can potentially throw a couple innings, that's, that's a big worry off of John Gibbons' head. And, and the other thing that came through last night, I, we had good hitting performances from the middle of the lineup. Kendris Morales went three for four, had that home run. Russell Martin went three for three. I can't remember the last time Russell Martin did that. He was he was perfect at the plate last night and actually passed Kevin Pillar for weighted runs created this season, which is sad for Kevin Pillar. But it it was it was a nice thing to see. And for a weekend that was all about celebrating what the Blue Jays were able to accomplish in 2015, 16. It was nice to see a contributor to that team, like break out of his slump, so to speak, and, and deliver a great performance at the plate like that. I mean, they're, they're all singles, but the fact that Russell Martin got on base every single time is amazing considering what he's done this year. Now, no one else in the Blue Jays' offense really did anything aside from a Lourdes Gurriel single and a Lourdes Gurriel ground out. Like, there were there were a lot of goose eggs there. But I think that's just what we've become accustomed to with this Blue Jays team this season. They're, they're going to be free-swinging. They, they may get a hit now and then, but they, they don't string them together nearly often enough like they, like they did the night before in, in getting those runners on base. So, I mean, that is what it is. We'll, we'll go forward and, and continue trying to celebrate the good for the Blue Jays. Maybe set up our, our fan Friday question ahead of tomorrow's podcast. So let's do that right after this break. Okay. So as I mentioned, Blue Jays have a couple off days and then the all-star game is coming up after that. So the question becomes, like, I don't think anyone's expecting more than one Blue Jay to go, and they're only expecting the Blue Jay to go because MLB says a player has to go from every team. So it's an interesting debate as to who the Blue Jays representative will be, and it'll actually be more complicated if Jay Happ goes before the All-Star break, as some people are wanting to do. No, like, they're totally understandable in that, because after watching Ryan Tapera get hurt, after watching Marco Estrada get hurt, knowing what Josh Donaldson is this year, there there is a lot of worry that maybe we should get Jay Happ out of town before he slips on the dugout steps or something. Goes full Meister Asturias. So Happ would be the logical choice, except for a couple things. One, he may not be on the team, and two... The American League has such a bevy of pitchers it can choose from. It might be harder for Hap to kind of break through when he's battling the likes of Luis Severino and Chris Sale and Corey Kluber and every single Astros starter outside of Dallas Keuchel. There's a lot of pitcher slots that that need filling in that regard. So I I 
kind of want to turn the attention away from the pitching staff and acknowledge that it's likely going to be a hitter that goes for the Blue Jays, and it may be a hitter that, that doesn't necessarily get in the game. And when we had Sean Doyle on the podcast earlier this or last month, he brought up Teoscar Hernandez as a potential all-star. And while I think Hernandez has that power to be able to properly represent Toronto, he he's not there yet. He's not ready for prime time yet. He's he's been one of the best batters the Blue Jays have had all season. He's got his 261 batting average, OPS of 827. He, ha- he has 13 home runs. So he he would be a good candidate. But ag- again, you look at the positions that the AL team is going to be able to pull from. And the entire Yankees outfield, the entire Red Sox outfield. Michael Brantley's having an insane year for Cleveland. Mike Trout. <laughs> that that says something about Mike Trout. I, I thought of him after Michael Brantley. That says everything you need to know about the marketing of Mike Trout. But there are, there are a lot of options there. And I think the best candidate for the Blue Jays is going to be the guy who wasn't expected to play every day. And, and the guy who has made the most of what his tools are and, and put him to practice with this team. And that is Jan Hervis Salarte. He leads the team in home runs. He's got 16 of them, including that one against the Mets. He's only batting 250, but he leads the team in RBIs. He's he's been a driving force of that offense, and and his personality translates so well to the All Star game. He is an entertainer. He, how many times have we seen Blue Jays fans just mimic that alligator chomp he does going around the bases after he hits a home run? He is the perfect kind of guy to take to that All Star game. He's a plugger. He's he's in his 30 year old season. He he's bounced around. He, he was underappreciated in San Diego, was acquired for a song. And I, again, for for morale, you're not going to get much better than Salarte da- dancing around, trying to get like he'll have he'll have help. He'll have like Jose Altuve dancing and and Eddie Escobar dancing. And he who knows, he might be able to get Mike Trout to smile. That that would be an accomplishment. But. Yeah, I think it's just natural that Solarte is the one who gets chosen for the Blue Jays to represent this team. And it, it makes sense, because Solarte is definitely not perfect. He swings her the fences a lot. Sometimes he is successful. Sometimes he grounds into double plays at the most inopportune times. But as a representative of the Toronto Blue Jays, he is perfect in that role. And... I am more than happy to send him to Washington, and I think the fans are on board with that too. But, but of course, I don't know. I don't speak for all the fans, so let me know what you think. I, I know I got a lot of new f- eyes on me from the Jose Bautista tweets this week, so let me know what you think. Who do you think is the Blue Jays All-Star this year? Who's going to represent this team in Washington? Uh, let me know on that on Twitter. The, the tweet will be out for y'all to to vote on. I'll probably send it out later today. So look for that on my account at NeoAC18. That's N-E-O-A-C-1-8. Follow this podcast at Locked on Jays for for all your podcast news. 
and follow Jays from Couch because they are excellent purveyors of Blue Jays work. And I, I know this this episode is going to be very underwhelming compared to the second episode today. But for you Locked on Jays completionists out there, I appreciate you listening to this one, listening to what I have to say about the Mets series. Enjoy the off day today. For everyone here at Locked on Blue Jays, I'm Ryan Andrews. Thank you so much for listening. And y'all take care.